So, are you on it or off it? I'm referring to the Canucks bandwagon. It has been a rather stormy time for fans. To put it mildly, recording eight straight, a record-setting eight straight losses at home, some of them to teams that the Canucks should have beaten. Fans have even taken to booing the Canucks at GM Place. All of this with Captain Luongo back in the net and superstar Matt Sundin in the lineup. So what the heck is going on? My guest to discuss this is Dave Olson. He's the host of the Canucks Outsider podcast. And it's safe to say that he is a Canucks super fan. What about you? Are, are you still with the home team here in B.C.? How do you feel about the Canucks right now? This is the water cooler talk we're hearing. What do you want to see done to turn things around? Can they? Are they going to miss the playoffs again? Give us a call across B.C. 1-800-825-5950. And the Lower Mainland, 604-669-3733. On the cell phone, star or pound 690. And Dave Olson, welcome back to B.C. Almanac. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me again. It's nice to hear your, the gentle tones of your voice. Oh, thank you. And you're one of those folks who sort of uh, bleeds home colors, don't you? What's it been like for you? <laughs> I'm still bleeding the, orange from the old oh, home the colors. Old home colors. <laughs> and what's it been like the last the last couple of weeks for you? Well, when we talked earlier this season, we, uh, we talked about, I, I said that this season's likely going to be a bit of a roller coaster and certainly that has played out the last couple of weeks it's been it's been definitely tough to witness you want to keep on grasping for a thread of hope Luongo's coming back it'll all be good the Sundin he's parting the seas to come <laughs> be with us and so there's always something to hold on to but it's uh it's it's been a tough paper route for sure and that Nashville loss the other day that was a really hard one to uh to to watch they had a lead didn't they, they, they sure they sure did and uh, and it just fell apart. And the uh, you know it's no secret that Nashville are a bit of a bottom feeder. Sure, they're well coached and good talent, and they're all professionals and all that. But they're bottom of the league. Uh, you know they have a lousy power play, lousy penalty killing, and suddenly they come play the Canucks and they come back. We're superstars. Third, <laughs> they're scoring on the power play. They're killing penalties. So it w- it was a little tough to watch. And and your heart has to go out to um, the team a wee bit as well. I think because I think the players don't look like they're having much fun out there. Well, they're getting into dust-ups in practice now, aren't My they? My goodness. Well, I wouldn't want to be uh, Mason Raymond. I would have chose someone else if I was Mason Raymond. I want to get a little bit uptight rather than Willie Mitchell. That's a, <laughs> that's a big lumberjack of a man there. I guess what's puzzling for, for fans, too, is the Canucks actually were going rather well, weren't they, and, uh, until Luongo came out. They, they were playing well as a team, and they, they were good on the penalty kill, and they were scoring goals on the power play. Like They were doing well, but what do you see as the main things that have gone wrong here? Well, I think there's been a lot of opportunities for confusion with this team and this crew really gaining an identity, which starts with individual players really figuring out what their role is on the team. There's a couple things that have uh, led to that situation, I think. One is this, this season has been full of distractions. We started the season with the untimely demise of young Luke Bourdon. Then before you know it, we were retiring Trevor Linden. I had the emotional highs of Trevor Linden. And then the constant banter of the Sundin speculation. Just when that died down, Luongo goes out. And then Sundin comes in. And so there's been no normalness for this team. And I don't think the team has had a chance to uh, catch their breath and realize who they are, get all introspective and realize who they are inside as a team. And while it's a bit of a cop-out and a bit of an excuse, um, you know, I sort of get that opinion by watching them and seeing how the players interact on the ice. And I think the constant juggling and the constant... Mm, mixed message of what each player does on the team has been a little bit confusing. 
Okay, but aren't they professionals? Aren't they supposed to be able to start dig down and say, I I know what I'm supposed to do? Well, you know, I used to think a lot more like that. And then I realized the other day that with Trevor Linden retiring, I'm older than any of the players on the Canucks. And, you know, I'm not 100 years old, right? You have no idea how I feel. (laughs) So I can look back and and think of how I was at 23 or something. And sure, you want to go out and give 110%, but all of us with our jobs, we have highs and lows. That being said, when you're pulling in six figures a week, you gotta, you got to find a way through that. But it really takes a concerted, uh, a concerted effort, which starts with some leadership and some strategy to get everyone on the same page. And I think that's the other elephant in the room that... You know, there's a coach under a lot of pressure in this town. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and everyone's been calling for his head, including uh, newspapers in Toronto floating unsubstantiated rumors. I thought it was the bloggers that were supposed to be posting rumors. Jeez. It's <laughs> with the mainstream media. Uh, and so there's a lot of pressure, and I, I think that that all came to the dust-up at practice. And... Uh, and, and something better happen quick. They're going on the road. Isn't that always good for a team to go on the road that's, together and maybe get it back together? That's the conventional together? wisdom and yeah. get away from the family commitments and all that. But when you have a situation like this, um, I think it takes um, – uh, I think it sometimes takes something like that, but it's more so about the fun and the camaraderie of, of being on the road together. Right now, everyone's squeezing their sticks so tight. You're seeing Kyle Wel- Wellwood feather passes over Steve Bernier that looks like he's uh, curling rather than playing hockey with the, you know, playing with the broom out there. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough to see. They don't seem to have that joy in their game right now. Dave Olson is with me. He hosts the Canucks Outsider Podcast, and he is also a Canucks super fan, and we want to hear from our listeners who are following the Canucks, and maybe you have spotted something we haven't touched on yet, but give us a call, would you? For the next uh, few minutes, we'll keep the lines open, 604-669-3733, 1-800-825-5950-STAR or pound 690. Dennis is online from the Okanagan at Penticton. Hello, Dennis. Yes, uh my observation is I've been following, I'm 85 years of age, and I've been following the Canucks right from the day they came in the NHL. I find that the coaching today uh, seems to be that they don't keep the lines intact long enough. They experiment too much. I think there's a lot of erratic uh, coaching being going on at the moment. Pat Quinn never did that when he took them to the Stanley Cup in 94. And I think he's the right man for the job. He should be back here. Uh, I just don't understand why they they play for a few minutes and they don't get to know each other. How can they possibly be a team when they're not a team? They're not little interchangeable parts, I guess, is what exactly. Dennis is suggesting. Well, I think they change it too often. Dave, what do you think of what he's saying here? I, th- I think he makes a really good point. And, you know, coaches, some coaches take that philosophy of they should be interchangeable parts, but these are hockey players, not Legos, and and I, I'm not sure I'm convinced that that works, especially with the way Gillis has put this team together. There's a lot more kind of role players on this team. Ryan Johnson, you shouldn't be playing him, switching him around. You know, uh, you gotta you gotta line up your guys and let them get comfortable. And I'm not quite as uh, the veteran that, that that the caller is, but I even remember as a kid, you would see the same lines stick together for multiple seasons in a row. Kurt Fraser, Thomas Greenin, Stan Smeal, Ivan Boulder, Evan Darzirota, and Vigneault's giving the lip service about, well, we put together pairs and then try and find that third person with them. Well, guess what? That's what the training camp or maybe the first quarter, possibly even the first half of the season is for. And even the Nashville game, we were seeing everyone play with everyone. And I think that leads to things like players bumping into one another and whatnot. 
Now, I want to also talk about Pat Quinn. Um, I had a chance to talk to Pat Quinn um, at the Giants Memorial Cup Day at, at City Hall a year or so ago. And I said, Pat, the phone must be ringing off the hook. And he said, Ashley, it's, it's not. And I said, do you want to get back and go, oh, yeah, man, I'm dying to coach. We've seen him have great success at some of the uh, Team Canada tournaments recently. Won a little world championship along the way. Yeah, and the knock on him was he can't adjust to today's young players. The young players love him, and uh, I think he already uh, lives here in town. So I don't want to put any pressure on uh, on uh, you know on anyone's <laughs> job. I'm, I understand the importance of getting a paycheck, but I think the caller makes a good point. Okay, thank you for the astute observation there, Dennis, on on the lines, and that that's a change in the game overall too. I think it's not just Vancouver that that tends to move lines around, isn't it? Because um, I think everyone juggles to a point, but you start to see like at the top teams, especially the Detroit's and the San Jose's, um, you really see see the same they units pretty it. much stick together once they hit their stride. They they give them a chance, at least give them a couple of weeks to show that they can perform together rather than two two shifts to see. Dennis, you're 85. You've watched them since they uh, were born as an NHL franchise. Are you still a fan? Yeah, I'm still a fan. Oh, right. That's they, my I guy. think that they can uh, turn it around. That's the part that amazes me. Turn it around me. with some very astute coaching. Has it ever been this bad before, Dennis? Because here we have eight losses on home ice in a row. That should never happen, and I, I've never seen it before that being that bad. It's too bad, and I I, uh, I commiserate with the players. I think they're uh, very unhappy right now in the locker room, and that's a, that's the thing that uh, that concerns me. I think they should start playing together, win, lose, or draw. At least give them a try. Okay, Dennis, thank you for your thank call. Thank you. And off to Nanaimo next. And Ed, we're wondering what you're thinking about the Canucks' fortunes right now. Well, they're not going to do very well until uh, <laughs> Luongo and Sundin stop be believing in their own press or that they're superstars because that's exactly what they're acting like. They're not acting like hockey players like they should, and I believe they're demoralizing the team. Uh, unless they smarten up like real quick, I think the best thing could, that could be done would be to fire the two of them. So can Sundin come up to speed halfway through the season to, uh, to, to the demands of uh, an NHL game right now? I think he has to be playing with his head as much or more so than his legs. And that means finding a role on the team and figuring out what he can do to benefit the team, finding the players that he can play with and finding out who those players are yesterday. And, um, and, and, uh, He's 37. Yeah, you know, I changed jobs over the holidays. I, I left one job on the Friday, started the next one on Monday. I didn't take three weeks off to get myself back into game shape. And I think it's he uh, spent a lot of goodwill with the fans in this town. And if he takes one more cross-checking penalty, I think I'm going to lose it because he has been in the box now for four goals against. And we're talking about in six games now he's been with us or so, eight games. And it's starting to be in a really an embarrassing stat. And aside from, you know, you, you can't count too many th times when you've seen him on the ice and go, oh, holy smokes, that's the guy we needed. That hasn't really happened I saw his yet. first goal. I thought, oh, okay, he's finally yeah, coming there around. We go. But that was yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> and, and Luongo, he's coming back from an injury. Yeah. But uh, Ed is suggesting that you know he's, he's not behaving as a, as a professional the way he should. What do you think? I think that um, the role as a captain has taken a little bit of time for him to get his head around what that means. I was a little uncomfortable with some of the comments that came out after the dust-up, and I think that that was blown out of proportion a little bit, he, but he was saying, ah, I like seeing the teammates fighting and wrestling, and, and I'm not sure if that's the right time and the right 
tone for that. It was a bit of an experiment having Luongo as the captain, but he does breathe this rarefied air that the best players in the world, which Sundin doesn't belong in that category anymore. Um, so it's a, he's a little bit distanced from the team physically because he's been injured, but also, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's sort of a demigod amongst a bunch of regular guys, too. So it is a little bit of an awkward dynamic, I think. Ed, are, are you still watching and hoping? Well, of course. I've been watching forever uh, <laughs> with uh, anticipation like crazy. But I think the bat- worst thing about it is I think the, do- the team has been demoralized by these two so what, somewhat superstars who aren't really pulling their weight. It's almost as bad as being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, isn't it? But not quite. There, there's nothing as 1967 bad as being a Leafs fan. 1967 was the last year. <laughs> there's nothing as bad as being a and Leafs I fan. I used to be a Leafs fan. <laughs> Ouch. Then I went to Montreal. Then I had to go to Vancouver eventually. But let's go to Les next from Revelstoke. And your take on what's wrong with the Canucks. Les. Uh, well, excuse me. I think there's two or three things. Uh, they shouldn't have made Luongo a uh, captain. He's got enough on his shoulders uh, without that. And when they got Sundin, they should have got another Toronto player like Darcy uh, uh, Tucker. Tucker, yeah. And uh, I, I agree with the, the other older gentleman from down the valley, which I'm a little older than he is, <laughs> that they shouldn't be changing lines. <laughs> I've coached a little bit. You keep guys that are uh, compliment one another, and mm-hmm. you keep them that way. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think even with players who play beer league hockey or just pick up hockey, there's definitely guys right away after an hour of playing with them, you go, wow, I really like getting out on the ice. And you start to position yourself on the on the bench so you can get out with the guys that seem to gel with the way you play. And I mean, even when you're a little kid out playing in the street, you, you kind of get that sense. And well, to, I like playing with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you get out there and you kind of get to know each other really quick. Uh, and these are professionals that have been doing this their whole life. So I do think that their input about who they want to play with, you can't have the lunatics running the asylum, <laughs> to put an apropos uh, metaphor in there for the way the team is right now. But I think they definitely have some input about, should have some input about who they're playing with. So, Les, if Dennis is 85, how old are you? Uh, 87. 87. Oh. Con- oh, congratulations. And, and, still, and I still enjoy hockey. Still enjoying the game. Love it. Yeah. That's great. Okay, thank you for your call. 669-3733 is the Vancouver number. 1-800-825-5950. Star or pound, 690 on the cell. For a few more minutes here with Dave Olson from the Canucks Outsider podcast, is it uh, a distinct possibility they might not make the playoffs again? Um, I refuse to believe that at this point. Um, I'm, I'm keeping the rose-colored glasses on um, because there is reason for hope. I think it starts with um, Ryan Johnson being back in the lineup. He's was, you know, of all the players that uh, the Canucks picked up this this year, and even our returning players, there's no one you can really point to and say he's exceeded expectations. He's really stepped up and defined the role. Kessler and Burroughs were kind of like that the last couple seasons. Mason Raymond, we expected to take a step up. Bernier, we expected a little something special from. The only ones I think that you could talk about at all that have, the, have exceeded expectations are Ryan Johnson, who kind of came in as an unknown quantity and has come in and been tough as nails and blocking shots. Of course, he was out of the lineup for, with multiple injuries, which is not surprising. Um, and then uh, Kyle Wellwood had his little uh, hot streak and still continues to look really good on the power play. But the reason for hope, I think, is getting Sammy Salo back in the lineup. Now, Salo takes a lot of, uh, a lot of heat because, uh, you know, he bangs himself up a lot. He's a, a bit of a sad case like that. But when he's in the lineup, he adds 
a tr- significant amount defensively, but also that cannon from the blue line, that changes the whole look of our power play. Because when he's out of the lineup, the teams are able, you know, they don't have to worry about the, that point shot so much. You're still saying hour, too, which is a good sign. <laughs> and there's still some salary cap there, too, isn't there? That uh, yeah, About $3 little... million dollars left or something that they could, in, in a hurry, maybe, bring somebody in for the playoff run? Well, there's going to start to be some teams now starting to sell off some, get rid of some players. I really think, though, we have to continue to build this team for the, for the long term. I shouldn't say continue because I think Sundin coming in, especially for the half-year deal, nothing next year, we're going to get him just up to speed, just enough. To, uh... So I really think if we're going to spend that money, I don't want rental players. I want to make deals for players who are going to be in the lineup for at least another year and rather than the, the short sugar rush. Okay, let's go to Graham next from the interior at Burns Lake. Hello, Graham. Hello. What's it like for you watching the Canucks right now? Uh it's a little bit crying in the beer at night, but uh, it's, it's all right, I guess. Okay. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, I was just going to mention that uh, Biesa hasn't been playing very good. He's being behind, or the, the opposing team's been, you know, goal side on him, the last two goals. And uh, they should make the, the Johnson and Kessler line the uh, and Burroughs the number one, because their number one line isn't anything. They're useless right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the same problem that we've seen for seven-plus years with the Sedines. Who do you put with them? It's got to be the combination of, of fire in the belly, which, you know, you kind of got to think of what's missing on that line. And I think that with the Sedines, they're extremely competitive guys, although you wouldn't know it by looking at them. Um, but you need someone with some fire in the belly, but you also need someone who's smart. And the third requirement is they have to have great hands from in close. If you'll stand there and keep your stick down, don't which so you. many people seem to miss out on that point. It's like you don't know where the puck's coming from. Don't try to speculate. Um, but, you know, that's a tough situation. I don't think Kessler Burroughs and, well, it's been Bernier playing with them a lot, Sundin playing with them sometimes. I'm, I'm not sure any of them have enough finish to really call them uh, a number one line. But I think what we'll, we do need is an increase in secondary scoring and a, a return to that tenaciousness where for a while they were one of the hardest lines to play against in the league, I think, as a, as a checking unit. I'm not really seeing that so much aside from a few flashes here and there. Graham, thank you for your call. And Rich now on the north coast at Prince Rupert. Go ahead, Rich. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you feeling about the Canucks right now? Not very good. Um, I really don't think that they have uh, done anything to strengthen their team over the, over the last few years. Uh, they're just simply, you know, not good enough. The whole team, you know, there's just not enough strengths there. No, no, no consistent goal scorer. Their defense is slow and inefficient. When were they last really good? <laughs> oh, I'd say like three years ago. Three, yeah. But it, it seems to me that uh, come come uh, after the All Star break, it's been about the last three years. Uh, you know, the good teams get better, and the teams that aren't good fall by the wayside. Yes, yeah, kind of do or die time, and decide whether we want to play with the big boys or continue squandering and and dwelling in mediocrity, which has been the uh, the lot of the Canucks for for so many years. Um, you know we. Compared to three years ago, we didn't really do a true rebuilding. We sort of made a, a, a horizontal move and swapped out some similar pieces with similar pieces um, to try to avoid going back and, and drafting and developing and this kind of thing. Um, so it's a little bit of a, a catch-22 because we're not all that different, but you try to make, uh, get those pieces to fit together better, and it hasn't really happened yet. The stands are still full, right? 
So yeah. <laughs> well, from a business different... point of view, what's the incentive, I wonder, to, to do more, to actually uh, do what Rich is talking about and uh, take it to this other level? Well, I think it starts with drafting um, and developing a, a system over a course of years. But at the same time, we're sick of that. We want to win right now. Uh, so, so it is a, a, a sticky wicket. Um, the new ownership has said that the, you know, is giving Gillis permission to spend up to the cap and do whatever he wants. They know that the more playoff games they get, you know, the big incentive for owners is playoff games because playoff games are almost pure profit. Uh, they don't split that revenue with the, the league and the other teams. So that's really where the gravy comes in. So I believe that um, the Aquilinis, I'll definitely give them the benefit of the doubt that they want to win badly as well. Their fans, their owners, there's, there's a lot at stake. Um, but I think it's, it's tough to make those deals um, uh, without, being, with being, without being rash and irrational. But I think you will start to see some player movement around the league here in the next two weeks for sure. And, and just finally, at what point do, do you think that it, it, the coach has to go because the players aren't listening or they're not responding to, to the way that they're dealing with it? <clears throat> Well, I think there's two ways to answer that. One is observing from, you know, being the armchair pundit sitting in the stands and, and, and seeing. But really the evaluation has to happen with uh, being inside the room. For us as fans, uh, you know, one more like Nashville, and, and it, you can't, you just, you just can't defend them anymore, right? Um, but it, those decisions have to be made really with people who are inside because there may be all sorts of other problems that we can't possibly be aware of. You know, that's why I am the Canucks outsider. No one gives me a pass to anything, right? <laughs> well, you have some excellent analysis, Dave. Thank you very much for this today. It's my pleasure. I'll be happy to come by any time, especially during the playoffs. Dave Olson, he is the host of the Canucks Outsider Podcast, a super fan, and he may be back if they do make the playoffs. If you have more to say about playoffs. this, call Talk Back. one 866 6104 Lower Mainland, 604-662-6104.